Today is March 10th, 2023, and I want to welcome you once again to our Chapter 49 podcast. Uh, We try to keep it a weekly podcast as much as possible. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer working in communications for NTEU Chapter 49. We represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. I'd like to welcome... uh, Duncan Giles, our chapter president, back to the podcast once again. Thanks, Larry. It's always good to be here. Just so everybody knows, we always say that at the very beginning. It's actually, (laughs) they do this on on network TV as well. It's just a verification that I've still got uh, Duncan connected so I can hear. (laughs) That's why he always says it's nice to be here. Someday, Duncan, I'm waiting waiting for you to say, you know, I wish you hadn't called me. I'm really, I'm I'm sorry I'm even on this podcast. (laughs) Hopefully that day will never come. It hasn't happened yet, and I don't think it'll happen. Well, we have a lot of news. I'm not going to banter too much because uh, we do have some pretty big news this past week. And the first item is something we mentioned last time. We um, were saying that the uh, IRS commissioner, the new uh, nominee, the person nominated to be the new commissioner, Danny Werfel, was going to be up for a vote by the uh, United States Senate. Uh, it came a little more quickly than we thought, which is good news. So Mr. Werfel is now our official commissioner, ready to, to move into his office in the coming days. Absolutely, and I was happy to see, A, that it was pretty speedy, and B, that it was bipartisan. Because I think uh, Commissioner Werfel will do a decent job. Uh, he's been here before as acting commissioner during the Obama administration in 2013 to... Uh, try and settle some issues that we were having in the public arena at that time as well. Um, I, I, so I think he'll, he knows what the workforce is like. I don't know if he knows how depleted it is since the 10 years that he's been here. We are ramping up hiring, of course, but it's still our levels are, uh, employment levels are way low. Um, but I'm looking forward to, um, you know, our national uh, folks, uh, Tony Reardon, national president, Doreen Greenwald, uh, having a relationship with Mr. Werfel, able to express um, employee concerns, issues, things of that nature to him directly. I'm sure they'll be doing that straight away if they haven't already. And um, for some local chapters to also chime in uh, to him when there are issues of interest that um, directly impact us. I've never been shy about uh, picking up a phone or sending an email to an executive at any level if I thought that they needed to know something or that it could do good for employees. Remind us, though, there's one thing about Werfel. You know, a large majority of our commissioners in the past at IRS have been tax experts, tax attorneys, accountants, so forth. Mr. Werfel has a different background, doesn't he? Yeah, he certainly does. His his background is management. He's into managing organizations. He was comptroller for um, OMB, um, Office of Management and Budget. Uh, so this is what he does. He manages organizations more than is a, uh, a tax uh, expert, so to speak. So I think for what we're having done with the money coming in from the Inflation Reduction Act, that we should be getting for the next several years, that it's a it's a good choice, and I'm sure that the Biden administration thought long and hard about who would be the best person for this job, 
and came up with Commissioner Orful, who I think will be a good one. And, of course, we'd love to have him on the podcast. I don't think he'll – we're not optimistic he'll take up the invitation, but we certainly will extend it, right? I absolutely will extend it. I'm happy for any IRS executive that wants to come on this podcast. As as uh, I've told them, though, um, and as I've told assistants and HR folks and folks in our human and capital office, no, there is no script outline. There is no off-limit topics. We discuss what we discuss, and we go from there. Um, there shouldn't there sh- this shouldn't be. This isn't like Mike Wallace chasing somebody down for an old sixty minutes episode. Um, you know, we wanted information and are always glad for anybody who wants to come on and share it with us. Yeah, I produce a number of podcasts. A site, a Chapter Forty Nine podcast is one line of podcasts I produce. I produce some others. And in every podcast I've ever produced, all I've ever wanted to do is just have a really good conversation, draw people out, get get to know them a little better, and, and learn something, get a little smarter every time we talk to somebody. And that's really all we ever try to do. Right, Duncan? Absolutely. There's This is not a gotcha thing. It's, hey, you know, we're hearing this or we're hearing that. And sometimes I'll say, well, it's not fully formed or we're not liberty to share or something like that, which is fine. But, you know, we're all the time, you know, anytime happy to have executives on that cover a wide swath of employees uh, that want to come on and talk to us about various issues. Happy to do that. Well, let's move on to another issue we've discussed in the past. There's been a lot of speculation about what the pay raise proposal would be coming from the president for the coming, uh, it's a fiscal year budget, but the pay raises generally happen in January, effectively anyway. And uh, now we know that the president will be proposing 5.2% as a pay raise average over uh, the next year. That would be the calendar year of 20. 24 and the yeah some people are saying well it's way below what the retirees received however if you look at this historically duncan this is the largest pay raise proposal from a president in many years uh for over 40 years since president carter uh did one for about nine percent in 1980 so it's been quite a long time since we've had one of this high now you know while we're grateful for 5.2%, um, as President Reardon has pointed out uh, in numerous uh, media outlets, and what we've talked to Congress about last week when many NTU leaders went to the Hill, is you know an 8.7% raise we feel is more fair and more in line with what inflation has eaten up and what higher uh, premiums for health care costs have. So 5.2, we feel, is a good starting point. We hope it's not the ending point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what the president has proposed. Uh, now, what is NTU come out with what uh, NTU wants as a pay raise? Are they saying, eight, is, is our leadership in Washington saying 8.7% is what we would propose? Yeah, it's below what's called the FAIR Act, which is what um, was set up a couple of decades ago to try and get pay comparability between the private sector and public sector, um, which was something like 24%, which is never going to happen. But we feel uh, 8.7%, which is what NTU leadership has come up with and pressed for, and we do have uh, some congressional support for. How much congressional support? 
we're not sure yet how much weight the president's uh, 5.2% will carry. We don't know. One, it's it's got to go into the meat grinder of Congress, and once it comes out, who knows what it'll end up being at. So this is the opening salvo, really, uh, uh, as far as pay raise is concerned. Now, speaking of opening salvos, this was part of the president's overall budget proposal for the next fiscal year. And as part of that, he also uh, gave at least some overall information on what he is proposing. That's President Biden is proposing to the Congress uh, for agency budgets. And his proposal for IRS is sizable. Not only do we have that Inflation Reduction Act money, he wants an annual budget uh, of, of increasing things like compliance and, and customer service and and, and other things that uh, IRS does on a, on a regular basis. So at least uh, we have a starting point before that goes to what you describe as the meat grinder of Congress. Yeah, it's one of those things where we're happy to see a sizable increase um, proposed because there, even with the uh, money from the Inflation Reduction Act, there's there's going to be a need for a big budget and an increase just to get more people on board so we can have a higher level of access on the phones. So we can, um, you know, make sure that the folks who need to be audited are audited to make sure the system is fair because the higher taxpayers, the higher earning taxpayers are at the lowest percentage of being audited in many decades. And we want to try and make sure that's up so we can increase compliance. So there are a lot of factors to this. Now, one thing I do want to add, too, is I've heard, um, you know, there are some in Congress who say, well, you've got the Inflation Reduction Act. You don't need a budget. Or one of my favorites I read this morning was, you know, well, we don't need to increase pay for federal employees. We need to, you know, you know, take care of the American taxpayers, not the federal bureaucracy when it comes to a race. Well, I've got news for those folks. You know, we are the ones who bring in over 90% of the income to the United States. And when people talk about employees, federal employees being the bureaucracy and not American taxpayers, that absolutely infuriates me because we are taxpayers. We are voting taxpayers. We are taxpayers that spend money. And we are happy to pay our fair share of taxes, but we also want to be paid a fair wage as well and making sure that our agencies are properly funded so we don't have to go scrounging for paper, pens, things of that nature, where it's gotten to in the past. So, you know, this is something that's going to be good for the American taxpayer, and I hope that uh, cooler heads will prevail in Congress rather than those types of comments uh, ruling the day. Of course, people forget this, uh, that except for a very few in number of people at the very top, Federal employees are generally very middle-class people. They certainly are. Um, you know, middle middle to uh, some even lower class, depending upon what position you're in and where you're starting at. So, you know, nobody's getting rich coming to work for the federal government. It's definitely a calling for the vast majority of people. And, you know, whether it's a, you know, somebody coming in just starting in a service center or an executive. You know, these are these are people who are coming in because they want to do things for the American taxpayers. They want to help people out. And we shouldn't be punished for that by saying, oh, you're part of the bureaucracy, therefore you don't get a raise or you don't 
get as much of a raise as you should just because we think that's wrong or we're not going to fund your agency just because we prefer it to be the punching bag instead of the revenue generator for the country that it is. So all this goes into that budget process in, in Congress, and, and it's going to be a meat grinder. And you used a good term to describe this because both houses of Congress are very divided. Republicans have a slim majority in the House. Democrats have a slim majority in the Senate. And, of course, the president is a Democrat. So uh, going through that process will be difficult. It won't be easy. We're going to have some... Uh, Stops and starts some some times when you wonder, will anything ever get done? Eventually does, sometimes not, well, often not on time. So uh, the m- m- most important thing, Duncan, is we want people to know is that we at Chapter 49 and our people in Washington at the National Union are going to be watching this, and we'll, we'll keep you updated on what's going on. Yep, they're going to be, as always, we advocate for federal employees constantly, and we'll just, you know, we're pushing and pushing and pushing, and we'll keep everybody in the know through podcasts like this, through emails, things of that nature, um, our Facebook page, things like that, on what's going on and what they can do to help themselves. And you can follow or like our Facebook page for Chapter 49. Just look on Facebook, and uh, the name of our uh, Facebook page is NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana. Feel free to follow or like us. We try to update that on a regular basis as well. One thing that I always find interesting, Doug, and you always share this with me, that uh, I think monthly uh, the National Union, our representatives, there are people at the, the national level of our union, meet with people in the Human Capital Office, better known as HCO. And uh, you shared with me some notes on a recent meeting and there was a discussion of something called par actions. Now, a par action is something a frontline manager does to put in motion something that's supposed to happen, whether it's a promotion or a career ladder upgrade that you get automatically. Well, you still have to have a par action in the system for that to become effective. It impacts people's pay. Well, there has been an issue lately where PAR actions have not been done on time. So tell us about that conversation between NTEU and the Human Capital Office that happened uh, just recently. Yeah, this is one of those things that's been going on for quite a long time. As you said, this is one of the most important things that a manager should be doing for employees, making sure they get their within grade on time, making sure that if they have a career ladder promotion, that's input on time. Because it, it does take a while, especially now. And, um, you know, the problem started getting exacerbated during the pandemic when we had fewer people doing these types of things. And it's continued now. And when the IRS comes back with, well, show us examples. Well, there are a lot of examples out there. Basically, just make sure that your frontline managers are being told to do the par actions timely. This isn't rocket science. This is part of their basic tenet of their jobs is to make sure this is done. So please emphasize that this gets done very efficiently, quickly, and as needed. What I found interesting is that you, just as you said, uh, the HCO people said, well, give us a few examples. And I believe they they gave one after the other. They just start keeping, I think finally HCO said, okay, we got it. (laughs) We, there are problems out there. 
And, and, and having been a manager the last six years of my IRS career, I mean, this is a matter where, number one, the managers needs to be reminded of this. Whatever system they use, put it right in front of the manager's face that a par accident's coming up. I know that generally happens anyway, but make sure that's happening. <clears throat> and the second thing I would say is that this is a, the managers need to be doing this. They are busy. They're loaded with all kinds of work. I can tell you that. A lot of crazy work this is loaded up on those frontline managers, but this has to be a priority for them. And it's as a matter where territory managers and people at the executive level have got to let these managers know that they're going to be evaluated on this and they need to get this done. So I think and that's what needs to be done next. And the HCO office just needs to keep the, the, the top management officials up you know, basically up to date on this and say, hey, make sure your people are doing this. Yeah, as you said, there's a lot of pressures and asks for frontline managers. They're told to do a lot of different things. Some of them worthwhile. Some of them you look at and go, why in the world are they telling them to do that? But this is one of the most important. You don't mess with people's money. That's that's a basic tenet in any business. And especially here in the federal government where it's very regulated you know when it's supposed to come you know it's it's set up in statute how often you get these things that need a power action done so they absolutely need to uh need to bear down and make sure that they're taking care of this and you know if you're not getting your actions done timely you know talk to your manager if you're not getting anywhere talk to your chapter because it seems the top management wants to know about this well we'll be glad to let them know as a union what's going on uh, I want to go on to something else. We talked off and on about something called Schedule F. Now, for those of you in tax law, you think of Schedule F, you think of a farm tax return. No, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is Schedule F within the federal employee world, and it has an entirely different meaning. The uh, uh, President Biden's uh, Budget proposal has some language in there. It's not directly related to budgets, but it is directly related to the civil service and keeping the civil service uh, uh, what it is meant what it is meant to be for over a century. So, explain what Schedule F is and why the president uh, felt it was important enough to to put this into writing and put a proposal to Congress on this. Yeah, Schedule F is basically taking um, thousands of jobs that have been career jobs in the civil service and basically making them political. And that's something that none of us want to see happen. Um, you want to make sure that you know the work that's being done is non-political. There's in the vast, vast, vast majority of jobs in the federal sector, they should be nonpartisan. They should be done. You know, according to the rules, according to statute, according to code, not according to a personal preference of someone who is a member of one political party or another. And that's what Schedule F does. It's, it's almost like a uh, reward system, a spoil system that the civil service was created to eliminate. And so, you know, even if they're talking about a certain percentage and it may only be thousands, which is, uh, you know, a small percentage in the overall scheme of things, you don't even want to let it have that foothold because that could influence a great many other things. So it's it's just a really bad idea to politicize uh, federal employee work. 
Yeah, and it should be noted that there have always been certain a certain number of federal jobs that are presidential appointees, but they're at the very top. I think at IRS, there are only two jobs that are political appointees. One, of course, is the IRS commissioner. The second uh, is the person who runs the chief, the office of chief counsel, basically the top attorney for the chief counsel's office. Those are the only two political appointees now. And there have been proposals to expand that. And what would happen is every time there's a, a new administration, or certainly when it's a change of party, one party to another at the presidential level, all those people would be gone and we need new people. So that's, a, as you said, that's why the civil service system was put together to stop that. So we would have professional people running the government and you wouldn't have this constant uh, changeover at, uh, within the service. So the president, President Biden is proposing the Schedule F be limited, that, that it's only going to be a small number of people who would be presidential appointees. There have been proposals to greatly expand that to a handful to several thousand or even tens of thousands. So we'll keep an eye on that. And the president has got his attention on that issue. I want to talk about another issue that is of great importance to people working at IRS. And I know that you have had discussions with management about this when you are negotiating our national contract between NTU and the, and, and, uh, the national uh, management at IRS. That has to do with how jobs are posted. Some jobs posted internally, some externally, some both. There's been some talk about that. Tell us where we're at on this whole job posting issue. Yeah, it has seemed it's come up a lot that it seems that there are more external jobs going out there, especially for promotions, uh, when they should be offered to internal candidates first. When National NTU brought this up to IRS, IRS has said that they are following Article 13 and they do realize that a lot of their best candidates are internal, but because of the sheer numbers they need to hire, they are going to be hiring external candidates as well. We just want to make sure that when you're you know, applying for a job as an internal employee, you've got the knowledge. You've already got the knowledge. You've been here. You know, If you're applying for promotion, things of that nature, you should have a leg up of, from somebody off the street just because of your general knowledge, not only of your particular job, but of the service and things of that nature. So we wanted to bring that to IRS's attention. IRS has said that they are uh, aware of the... Um, noise about this, that they have been uh, looking very carefully at and following Article 13, which deals with promotions, and that those folks who should be getting the first crack internally are, in fact, getting that. So both NTU and IRS nationally are going to be watching this carefully to make sure that that is correct and followed. Okay, so if, so if you're applying for a job, there will be some cases where you'll only be competing against internal candidates and other situations where you'll be competing with internal and external. Can of explain how that works? I think that's kind of the nuts and bolts that people wonder about. Yeah, it depends on what type of position. Is this an entry-level position or is this a promotion-type position? If it's an entry-level position, and those are spelled out in the contract, then you are going to the 2022 National Agreement you're going to you know, see a lot of those open to the public. And that's what it'll say on USA Jobs. It's open to the public. And then there'll be others that'll be strictly internal to the agency. 
So I would advise anybody to, if they're interested in changing jobs or looking for promotions, things of that nature, keep your eye on USA Jobs. And when it comes to, you know, something that you like, take a look. And there are certain symbols there. Is this internal to an agency? Is this open to the public? Is this open to other federal employees? You know, take a look at that and make sure that, you know, that A, you qualify for a certain thing, but B, that it is, in fact, you know, if it's something that should be internal to an agency that does say that. If there's something, um, you know, if you see something for more than an entry-level position that is um, that is not just internal to the agency and it hasn't been posted before as internal to the agency, you need to let your chapter know so we can bring these types of examples to national office and they can talk to the folks at the human capital office about this. Yes. Why I asked the question because I, it's been a while, I guess, obviously since I've been, I've been, I've been retired for 11 years, but, and even as a manager, I wasn't really competing for other jobs at that time, but I have been told by people such as union officials and even some management officials that if you're interested in, in a promotion, certainly um, apply internally, but applying externally might be a good idea as well. Yeah, it's it's fascinating sometimes that people who've been doing a particular job don't qualify as uh, best qualified internally, but they also apply externally, and then they get their best qualified for that. So it, it can be very interesting, and I, absolutely, I wholeheartedly agree with applying both internally and externally uh, if they're two different job postings uh, I'm interested in. Oh, we had a little freeze up there. So what was that last thing you just said, the last few words? Basically, if it's internal or external, if it's a position you're interested in, go ahead and apply for it. Okay, very good. Well, hopefully we'll keep our connection uh, going long enough for you to give us uh, your final comment. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, we just had the International uh, Women's Day, and it's National Women's Month. And, it, you know, you think about this, and it sort of blows your mind that, you know, it's only been a little over 100 years that women have had the right to vote. And I think of all the women that I've worked with, women I've worked for, um, who've been absolutely outstanding, you know, women are as every bit deserving of, of everything as men are, period, end of story, and they should be honored for that. And that should be, there should always be equality in that type of situation. You know, I've got a wonderful daughter, you have a couple of wonderful daughters, who's made a great career as a counselor. Uh, my partner, Kim, has been you know, absolutely awesome in the job that she does, uh, and she's much smarter than me. And you know, 120 years ago or so, she wouldn't have been able to do that kind of job because it was man's work. So I'm, I'm really glad to see how far we've come, and we need to just continue to grow that because it shouldn't matter race, creed, sex, orientations, any of that should not matter. It should be, are these the best people for the job? Well, people ask me who's smarter, you or your wife. I'm not even going to go there because I know what the answer <laughs> is. It's not <laughs> It's not me. Just a real quick uh, thing, and it's not going to be nearly as profound as yours. This is the time of year because we're recording this on March the 10th. March Madness is coming. And uh, college basketball, the NCAA tournament. I don't know about you, both the women's and the men's tournaments are great. I just love this time of year. And I, uh, being retired, I have even more time to watch the games when I can reserve time to do that. So what I would suggest, all you basketball fans, l sit back, enjoy, 
prepare yourself for a great season of bat. I think the NCAA tournament this year is probably more wide open than it's been in a long time. So it should be entertaining. You have no idea who's going to win the national championship this year. Duncan Giles, thank you very much uh, for joining us again. Always great to talk to you. And we also are very happy that you have chosen to join us on this podcast. We know your time is valuable and we appreciate the fact that so many of you, and I've looked at the numbers, there are a number of a number of you all around the country. And Duncan has mentioned, we have a few people around the world who listen. I don't know why, but they do. And we welcome them as well. But it's great to have you here. If you have comments or issues you'd like to see discussed on this podcast, please send an email to Duncan Giles. His email address is nteu49 at aol.com. And also you can be put on a list to get both the audio and video versions of this podcast. We'll get a, give you an update with links every time we post a new one. So again, we appreciate the fact that you're with us, and we certainly hope that you continue to be well and be kind.